Welcome back and happy 4th of July, you filthy animals. Welcome back to Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. Joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. All right, Professor, happy 4th of July. I'm coming to you from Sugar Grove, West Virginia, my man. That's not the truth, but I came from there several 4th of Julys in a row. Uh, Jeremy, did you know that there was a military base located in West Virginia, a naval military base? Okay, military base, I would not be shocked by. Naval base leaves me baffled. Exactly. Well, um Happy Fourth of July, everyone. I mentioned that town. Here's why. There was actually um, an operations base uh, up in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. And I think the promoters up there ran it probably five or six times uh, on the Fourth of July. And I did like four Fourth of Julys in a row. And it was pretty cool, man, because um, I think it had about 600 families that lived there on the base. Once you got about a 50-mile radius, um, no cell phones in there. Of course, being a military base, um, and I did wrestle there post-911. So, um, you know, had the military dogs out, mirrors under the cars, you know, full full inspection before you came onto the base, you know. Yeah. But they just had this big uh, annual 4th of July weekend party uh, for all the residents, and they brought in musicians. Um, they brought in some rides. Um of course, they brought in professional wrestling as an activity. They had ongoing softball tournaments, volleyball tournaments. All for these, mili- just these military families, you know, it was really cool because they couldn't leave the base. And um, then, of course, in the night, they had their, you know, fireworks. Generally, after the main event of the professional wrestling match, that set off the uh, fireworks events. And uh, sometimes I miss those days, man. It was harder than hell to get there because it's out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, it was fun because, you know, you give them back to the military families sure. uh, during the 4th of July, man. And um, so, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be some fireworks from this show because today's program, we're going to be talking about five patriotic American gimmicks and five evil foreign patriotic gimmicks uh, in professional wrestling. And I know you've got to set up really, really nice with some good notes and stuff. Um, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, then I'm going to give my shout outs. OK. Yeah. Um... So. Let's see here. No, it's I. If you tell me there's a military or a naval base in West Virginia, I'm thinking that has something to do with UFOs because <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with boats. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's there. Um, it, you know, I've I've been on it. It's pretty wild. I think it's up for sale now. I was telling you, I saw a news clip on there. Um, it, there's some realty company trying to sell it, maybe. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it might have something to do with aliens. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, there's probably a secret subway underground between there and, and, and Washington, D.C. or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, some kind of, you know, they're out there, you know. So, there's, there's you know, X-Files shit. Well, there's that kind of stuff where you see that there's, like, secret underground bunkers and, and you know, railways or whatever. And there's stuff like the, uh, the Denver, Colorado airport where... You know something's going on there just because the shit doesn't exist on maps and papers, but we all fly <laughs> through there all the time, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, the thing I just thought of, too, I wrestled in Sugar Grove. I wrestled right outside the Greenbrier over in West Virginia, too, where a lot of presidents used to go and 
have big parties at and stuff over um they have a big golf tournament up there every year but yeah Yeah. um yeah so there's a lot up there in wild wonderful west virginia um well you know here in california yeah i just was thinking about that we miss out on a lot of the more historical aspects of the united states because you know we're only 170 years old over here really and um so we miss out on a lot of that east coast and actual capital of the united states stuff so it's always cool to hear about it yeah, you know the uh, what the original capital, uh, Columbus, Ohio, I think, before they moved it to Washington D.C. I thought it was New York City. Well, man, we better do some homework, man. Yeah. We're not being patriotic. I think I swear I think Columbus, Ohio, was one of the was at once a capital. Man, I have to check into that. But listen, let me do a couple things real quickly here. I got uh, let you know where I'm gonna be at, and also give a couple shout outs. So, uh, July 17th, I'll be at the Rona Theater in Ironton, Ohio. Several WWE superstars will be on a card. Um, Jillian Hall will be there. Uh, Misery will be there. Casey King will make his appearance. Um, Shane Douglas will be there. Uh, let's see, who else did I tell you? Uh, Matt Cross is going to be there. Looking forward to see him wrestle. I'm just going to be there observing some talent. Um, the uh, students of the Art of Grappling School will all be involved in matches. I'm looking forward to that. Some of them are really coming along really, really good. Uh, I'm happy for that. <clears throat> Again, that's, August, me, that's July 17th at the Rona Theater in Ironton, Ohio. Mm. Saturday, August the 7th, Beckley, West Virginia. The Bash in Beckley at the National Guard Armory there. I'll be in the corner of Shane Storm as he battles the legendary Jerry the King Lawler. Um, I did not know this when I signed up to manage Shane. I still would have anyway, because I'm a, I gotta have Shane's back, man. You know, he's fighting Lawler, my old nemesis, you know, at one time my wrestling hero and then, uh, um, had to fight him for the title. And we know how that one came out. So I'm trying to help Shane have the same results and that's with victory. But, um, now Dennis Condry is going to be there as some kind of enforcer. So we'll just have to see how that plays off. And again, that's in Beckley, the bash in Beckley. August the 7th. Um, August the 14th, you can find me at the Time Warp. My man Earl got me down here. Him and Joe put together. Um, we're at the Back to School of Bobby Blaze. Uh, it's going to be at the mall location, the Ashland Town Center location. Uh, at the Time Warp, really cool store, man. A um, lot of, lot of vintage stuff, baseball cards to all the everything. A, a geek, it's a geek's paradise, Jeremy. You'd love it. Well, I'd love but uh, it. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be there from five until seven, signing autographs, giving away free pictures, and also um, I will be uh, having a book signing that day as well. So that's just some places um, I'm gonna be doing. It's gonna occupy a little bit of my time this summer. That I'm glad to um, be able to get out a little bit and. Spend Space those out enough that uh, I can do it and and um, have a good time and meet and greet and, and, and see some matches along the way. I do have a couple shout outs and then we'll get ready to jump into our program. Well, I got a, um, I got a question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, please. So you said that, that the first event's happening at the Rona? Yes. Isn't this a yeah. bad year? <laughs> that's the name of the building that's been there for years used to be an old theater man um the rona yeah i didn't think about it man yeah we're all getting excited what was that i think it's rona it's r-o-n-a rona we'll we'll call it the rona theater yeah yeah (laughs) okay need some marketing rehab i think yeah let's do that we're all excited about getting out of the house hey let's go see that wrestling match at the rona theater (laughs) 
Yeah, okay, my bad. Rone. <laughs> Rone. <laughs> we'll throw some letters in there. Yeah, you're right about that, man. Um, no, that's just another reason uh, for me to want to get out uh, here recently because, you know, we were all, you know, locked down for so long. Um, if, I, if I get some things cleared up, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so I got one shout out to a personal friend. Uh, he just won Hepcat, man. That's Vandal Drummond from Mountain California. Just a really cool dude. I talked to him the other day. We were uh, talking about, uh, I think, the, the medium, the. The, we were just talking, man, just back and forth on Twitter land there. But uh, I want to give a big special shout out to uh, Robert Silva. He's a Bachman historian, and he writes these really cool stories. He intertwines all these stories together on Twitter uh, involving different characters from like Boys in the Hood crossovers with just different movies with Spike Lee. It's all pretty cool how he does it, but um, uh, he's very educated in, 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 in martial arts. And I know he's a fan of our program, uh, uh, Booking the Territory and several others. But he left us a uh, five-star review, and I wanted to give him props. And that goes out to Robert. Uh, classiest, the, here's where it says, classiest man out there. Well, Robert, you're pretty classy yourself, my friend. Uh, wonderful old-school podcast with former Smoky Mountain wrestling champ, Bobby Blaze. Bobby and his co-host, Jeremy, discuss old-school wrestling with the same type we have in watching it highly recommended thank you for that we appreciate it very much man very much yeah always get a good review um i mean always good to get a review i should say so want to put that out there man no it was thank you robert that was very nice of you to take the time to do yes yes um all right, guys, just a reminder, you know, we are available anywhere you get your podcast, but, uh, you know, please take the time to rate, review, recommend us. Uh, we would appreciate it very much. It helps us yes. with the algorithms. <clears throat> All right. So, Bobby, let's see here. We, um, we're going to run into some kind of tricky stuff right, I mean, right off the top. So, yeah, we decided we were playing with a couple of different ideas, and we decided what we were going to do this week was five American Patriots and five foreign heels. Okay. And one of the first guys we talked about was the Patriot Del Wilkes. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened this week? Yes. So, <clears throat> we had you had that list up. On Sunday, right after the program, you had already started our um, Google Doc, and and he was one of the top five that you had listed. And uh, again, that was on Thursday, uh, uh, Sunday. On Thursday, I was getting ready to head over to the uh, the wrestling camp, so I double checked my Twitter because I like to have some pre tweets ready to go or what have you, um, and I check the news, see what's going on in the world, um, at least Twitter world, my world, yeah. And it said, R.I.P. the Patriot, Dell Wilkes. And I thought, what? I looked at the time. It said 28 seconds. It had been posted 28 seconds ago. I said, damn, this, I wonder if this is true. Well, I immediately texted you to let you know I'm on to something here, you know. Well, within about an hour, you know, I checked on several reliable sources. And sure enough, um, the Patriot, Dale Wilk, um, had passed away of a massive heart attack on Thursday afternoon at the age of uh, 59 years old. And um, anyway, just want to let you know, he uh, he was a big uh, former football star for the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. He was one of only four Americans in football that school produced. Um, he, um, he had numerous records 
for touchdowns, 49 points, 371, and total offensive yards of 5,095. After that, he was um, he had tried out for the NFL, but he ended up playing uh, going to get into uh, professional wrestling. Uh, Jeremy, do you know who trained him? Because I did not know this until I read this article. Uh, Most of my facts are coming from Mike Mooneyham, by the well, way. Here's the thing. I do, but only because you told me, and I was actually a little stunned. So why don't you let yes. the audience know? Well, I didn't know this either, um, but um, he was trained by the fabulous Moolah. Uh, he broke into the business in 1988 after a failed attempt at the NFL. He found a wrestling school not too far from his home. The facility was run by a legendary women's wrestling star, the fabulous Moolah, who had been responsible for training the majority of the women wrestlers during the 60s and 70s. And he says... Uh, it was geared more toward women than it was guys, but we paid our money and went through school and basically started out at the very bottom level of pro wrestling. As the Patriot, he became a top international star, especially in Japan, where fans marked out for his sculpted physique and colorful mask. Um, he had several injuries, um, got out of business in the early 90s, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then he became a successful car salesman uh, for the last 16 years. And I'll kind of leave it at that. Uh, may he rest in peace. I know he also formed a good tag team with uh, Jackie Fulton as the American Eagle. So they had a good run over there in Japan, um, working for all Japan. Um, anyway, man, I never met him, uh, but I know I remember that physique he had. And I think you brought it to my attention I think he showed up, what did you say, GWF there at the end? Um, well, still had a really sculpted body. Is that where it was at? You asked me. I'm pretty sure you're right. So I remembered it being WCCW. Now, this is during okay. one of those, this is Well, this is during one of those periods where I wasn't really watching a lot of wrestling. And um, a, uh, a great uncle of mine had just passed away. And now he was he was on a boat that was bombed by the Japanese and actually had his uh, the hemispheres of his brain separated with shrapnel. So he was this crazy old fucker my entire life, you know. Mm, um, mm, but mm. I was at my great grandmother's house, uh, his mother's. And I was watching the house and taking phone calls from like the veterans of foreign wars and this, that and the other planning funeral stuff. And I'm flipping through the channels, and I stopped on wrestling, and it was in Texas on ESPN. I assumed it was WCCW, but looking back historically, I'm thinking maybe I saw it on GWF. Okay. I would say you're probably right for that time period. Um, I'd say so. So rest in peace, uh, Dale Wilkes, the Patriot. Um, I did not meet him, but Jeremy, I did meet I was just getting ready to a Patriot. <laughs> Yeah. So um, go ahead and uh, why don't you tell us about your uh, experience with, quote unquote, <laughs> the Patriot? Yeah. So way back when, around that time, around 1990, you didn't see me on TV there. I'll tell you that. But you could have seen me down in Wheelersburg, Ohio, at a local show. <laughs> and um, we were running about three-day run up here. We had a couple shows in Ohio, and then we was finishing up here in Ashland. And we just had a small local crew. But this guy had built a um, skating rink, quote, entertainment center. And um, had a couple of friends that lived down that way. And he said, yeah, we can, you know, just kind of one of those things with a ring. It'll fit this building. Let's make that an event here. So we, we went down to have a professional wrestling show. After the show, I was approached by the American Patriot. And he was a man of about my age now. And, you know, once again, thanks for all the birthday wishes. So you know about how old I am now. Um, he had an orange 
sock hat on. I remember that very distinctively. He had this orange sock hat. And he said, hey, uh, someone had sent him to me because he, he wanted to meet um, the owner or the promoter. Again, it was just myself and a couple guys that went in and, and rented a couple buildings. And we'll go run some shows and have some fun. And uh, so they referred him to me. And he said, hey, I'm the American Patriot. I was trained by, um, shit, um, <laughs> out in Bruiser. Indianapolis. Uh, Dick the Bruiser out in Indianapolis. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I got a scratch on my damn, right by my ear. Hold on. Anyway, um, like I, I felt like a dog uh, with a paw behind, hit my paw behind the ear. Anyway, um, I said, is that right? He said, yeah. He said, man, I trained way back then. I worked out in Indianapolis, Chicago. I did all the TVs for him. And I'm like, blah, you know, just went on about his wrestling career. To make a long story short, we just said, okay, we had a, well, had like one more town left. Like I said, we had like three in a row. It's like the second one. I said, well, you know, but next week, this is where we're going to be at. Um, we sit the ring up. We train sometimes on Sunday. And you're more welcome to come by and, you know, work with us or have a tryout and just see where you fit on our show at, you know. And, um, of course, we're all kind of looking like, yeah. You know, this this is not the American Patriot. It's just some old fart, you know, from the hills of uh, uh, Ohio or wherever. Because he did let us know he ran up and down his hills five miles a day. And um, I don't know if the guy could have walked five city blocks. But anyway, he shows up and uh, my brother says, Twain. And I'm like, what? He goes, Twain. And I go, what? I don't get it. He goes, Mark. I go, oh, okay, yeah, I got you. <laughs> so so the start, Dark Shadow was there. We was waiting for him to get there to train. And he, he used to hate training over there. We'd done a lot of technical stuff. And um, uh, one of the hangmen was still working. We, we just go have a little workout on Sunday afternoon, like I said. And anyway, this guy gets out of his vehicle, still has the old orange sock hat on. So I said, well, to my brother, I see I'm the most experienced here. Let me, if anything happens, just jump in. Otherwise, I think it'll be okay, you know. And uh, cause I don't know what kind of tricks this old geezer's yeah. known. Man, a crush, crusher could have taught him anything, man. He could have come in and crushed my windpipe or punched me in the eye or whatever. You know, I don't know. He put a pit, maybe took a cigar and put my eye out. I don't uh, know. I was going to say, I, I, I'm familiar <laughs> with Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher and yeah. <laughs> chairs, yeah. cigars, yeah. tuxedos. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he gets in a ring and um, I go to lock up with him. He puts both fists together, almost cartoonish up over his face, like he's like in a really defensive mode, but um, he charges at me. And of course, I'm going for collar and elbow, so I'm kind of opened up, right? And I just kind of grab him and hit both his hands, kind of hit me on the chest. Um, and I've got like, you know, I just locked around his head. I got my hands around his head there and uh, protected myself. And I said, What the hell kind of lock up is that? He backed away real quick and jumped in a kind of a deepest position, almost like a karate person would, but, but, but an untrained karate person. Yeah. And he goes, He'll lock up. That's a heel lock up. And I go, What? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, when I tried Dick's a bruiser, uh, he tried to be a heel, and I said, he'll lock up. Ask the obvious question, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, so, Bobby, is there such a thing as a heel lockup? <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> so, so I said, you know what, buddy? I said, because we've always given the benefit of the doubt already. I said, why don't you sit your ass down over there on the steps, and you watch us train for a little bit, and if it's something you think you can do, 
Well, I'll invite you back up here in a second. So, like I said, Shadow kind of moves a bit closer to the ring now. Uh, my brother denies in the ring, and we just do a common, uh, just a, a headlock, uh, switch, hammer lock, reverse it to a top wrist lock, just a little, little basic move wrestling, whatever. And I looked over and I said, is this something you think you can learn or not? He goes, man, he goes, they never taught us anything like that working at the heel. He said, I think I like your way better. Uh, what, what'd you call that? And I said, what's well, called locking up first of all? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've never seen the American Patriot since then. Oh, uh, just wow. to let you know. But uh, I just wanted to kind of let's go over the passing of uh, uh, Dale. Let's just have some humor with it so we can get on for our five uh, uh, patriotic American gimmicks. I kind of want to throw that story in there. Yeah. And it is a true story. Um, he'll lock up. Always remember that, man. That's that's how you tell a good guy from a bad guy, Jeremy. Uh, well, you'll I'm, know it's a special he'll lock up. I'm going to watch. Fuck, I don't know if I ever saw David Bruiser lock up. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's the, I think that's the whole thing, man. I think uh, he got a hit with a chair or two at a at a show in Indianapolis, or he was a fan. That you ever see that clip where uh, Gordy steps down off the ropes <laughs> out of the ring, rather, and that guy's across the ropes and he's smoking a cigarette, and Gordy just pushes them into. It's a fan that comes across the rope. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He just stiff arms the guy, knocks him with his ass. I think that may be what happened to this guy, a patriot. He may have went to a show in Indianapolis to see uh, Dick DeBruce when he was about, you know, 25 or 30 years ago. And this was, again, 1990, so way back in the 60s. And maybe Dick the Bruiser, uh, you know, stiff-armed him like like Gordy did that guy. So, uh, you know, now he's trained to be a wrestler, a heel wrestler. Well, there you but, go. But uh, anyway. That, that, I think, is my favorite part of that. Oh, they didn't teach us how to do that as a heel. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a heel, so we're not going to teach you how to wrestle. We're just going to teach you how to spit and uh, spit, chew, and fucking curse at people. Yeah. Um, that, Man. I think, is my favorite part of the whole thing is him trying to play that off. Like, uh, no, uh, heel wrestlers, we, we didn't learn that. Uh. <laughs> but anyway, um, back to our uh, 4th of July. So we did have uh, the Patriot down there. Um, and in fact, we didn't change any of these. And I think we did change. Page one of the um, the foreign evil uh, political gimmicks, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But next up, you had, um, uh, and I never really got this how he did this, so you can kind of smart I, me up well, on here. I, that's Go what ahead, I was going to try to bring up as well. So I put, oh. I put down hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yes, because okay. when I think when I think of hacksaw, what comes to mind, even though it's not my favorite part of his career, what comes to mind is that period in the WWF where he'd come out with a two by four with the American flag and the entire crowd would chant USA, USA, even if he was wrestling somebody from like West Virginia. Um, right. And then I, I think back like, well, that wasn't like that wasn't him with Bill Watts. That that was just the WWF. Yeah, I don't know. I I think he became a Patriot wrestler when he won, when he won the King gimmick off of Haku. I think. Okay. Um, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But when I think of Hacksaw Jim Duggan, man, I see red, white, and blue, and I, I mm-hmm. think of the USA chant. Even though that was kind of his post buffoon era. Even though I'm a bigger fan of his yeah. Bill Watts fucking three point stance tackle era. You know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, um, but, but I cannot separate the two in my mind. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, obviously, it's, it's patriotic. You know, the USA thing carried a two by four. Um, I, I know he was. Um, you know, 
a good, I think it was All-American, if I'm not mistaken, wrestler, um, you know, out of high school. And um, obviously, you know, you saw him have his run in Watts' his territory. Um, and then, of course, he became, like I said, more cartoonish in WWE uh, as time went on. But I don't know where it came from, but I certainly um, – uh, remember, you know, him coming out there with the two by four and, you know, ho and the whole thing. Um, I see here that he's uh, under a legend contract with WWE, and I know he's done some stuff with them through the years. Um, I think he's on a legend's house, and I've seen him do some signings here and there and stuff. Um, for them, I've met him several times. He was in WCW there for a while. Yeah. Um, down there doing TVs with us. Um, but he was in, he was, he lived in Florida at the time. And so it was very convenient for him to be there at Universal Studios. Um, I don't know that he was doing any house shows, uh, that I recall, but I know he, he was doing, he was definitely doing the, uh, worldwide tapings. Um, um, excuse me, when we were at, um, Orlando, uh, Universal Studios. He was, he was always there for that two or three week period, yeah. uh, doing those tapings. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, nice guy. Uh, someone, someone probably that, um, goes back like you was talking about Wass's territory. Someone probably goes back that's followed his career. Um, I'd say if you're, you know, you'd know that name, uh, Hacksaw Jim Dugan or Duggan, um, Probably, I mean, I don't see how you couldn't if you're a fan of wrestling, especially through the yeah. 80s and 90s, um, you know, just uh, and probably through the well, he was on a cartoon and everything, too. So um, probably through the two, 2010s, maybe on the independent circuit, you know, good, probably 30 year span there. A lot of people would know who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is. Oh, I would, I would and I think, think so, they yeah. would uh, go with that. Their best memory may not be of Watts with him working for Watts, but 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 probably as the Patriot, uh, you know, the active, you know, the whole two by four deal. I think does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, um, that's what he's going to be remembered as more likely, I would imagine. Well, yeah, and that's I mean that's where I pr- probably you and I remember him because even in WCW he's still working that Patriot angle, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, and I'm not saying he didn't do uh, matches for pay per view or a um, uh, a house show here or there in Florida. I just know I mostly saw him at the at the Universal Worldwide tapings. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I, was, I'm sure he did some other stuff too. You know, yeah. Well, he was kind of one of those cats that he was hot for a brief minute, got a uh, I think you know a couple feuds, and then kind of slipped to the mid card again. Yeah, you know, yeah. Huge star yeah. mid Well, you know, that's the other thing. Like, if you're a huge star somewhere that Vince McMahon didn't make, you go to the mid card pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard, you know, as if it's not his creation, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right, Ted. But yeah, that's a that's a good one for you know to celebrate our Fourth of July. Yeah, I think uh, so. You know, the old red, white, and blue there. Um, and I'll tell you this, man. I really dug last week's episode, man. That was really cool. We went back to 1976. That was, uh, man. That was really cool. I love the uh, the artwork you put up, oh, the banner. You. That was pretty cool. Steve Austin with the uh, the astronaut Steve Austin with Andre the Giant and uh, some other stuff. One that's pretty cool, man. He's a man um, barely that, alive, you know. Yeah, and then uh, um, 
we just had fun with that episode. It brought back a lot of good memories, you know, um, and, and also the pop culture part. That was that was really cool. I thought. I know it had. We did some. We did some wrestling in there, but um, you know, mostly a lot of fun pop culture. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pop culture, this man, um, man, he had his own cartoon as well coming up for our uh, number three most patriotic American gimmick, and that is Sergeant Slaughter. Man. Yeah. Uh, Bob Remus. So, Sergeant Slaughter, definitely, we're going to get into a little controversy probably in here, but look, yeah. he, his gimmick was a drill sergeant from, um, or a drill instructor because he was Army, from um, uh, the Vietnam era. The, you know, his, his camos were Vietnam color. Mm-hmm. He, wore the, he wore the Vietnam era jungle boots, the, the, I can't think of what you call that hat, but the instructor's hat. Um, very much just like a hard ass, you know, military figure was his character. Campaign hat, as he's going Campaign to wear it too. Get the go. you put that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I only know it because of uh, of what you've told me. Yeah. Um. So he also got picked up. Like his character was a part of GI Joe in the uh, mid mid and early eighties or mid to late eighties. Um. So, you know, that was kind of interesting. Everywhere he went, they had, like, an American belt for him. To, you know, he, had, he was the America's mm-hmm. champion at AWA. He was the United States champion in the NWA. Um, several good runs. Um, what, I mean, what do you – did you ever meet this guy? You know anything about him? Yes. Um, yeah, I did meet him um, backstage at, you know, WWF at the time. Uh, met him backstage. Very polite, very uh, nice gentleman. Um, I, I think I've told you this before. In 1985, I was in Baltimore, and my uncle and I, he was in the NWA and wrestled Flair in the main uh, main event, and he also wrestled for a WWF show that same month in the same building. <laughs> uh, it was kind of that's when he. I think he's having that controversy. Um, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Back then, again, this is 1985. But yeah, Slaughter, Slaughter Slaughter was on two different shows for two different organizations back in the um, in '85. I think ultimately, of course, he ended up with staying with WWF at that time. But no, I've only met him backstage. Um, uh, I've obviously heard a lot of good things about him. You know, um, when I met him, of course, I'm just a talent there that's happened to be backstage and. Uh, getting treated professionally and yeah. and it's not like you know i didn't I, you know introduce myself and shook hands and that was that you know the um the one thing i remember um i, I went up there i had done a couple of different times that that was like a tv time probably the first time the second time i went up to see some people as, as we was talking johnny candido a couple of weeks, i went to see chris and and tammy uh jimmy was there uh, uh, D-Lo, Kyle, so several people from Smoky Mountain were up there, and um, I wasn't really going to look for a job because I was already in negotiation with WCW at the time, but I took my best friend up there, and he's a real big guy. Um, <clears throat> at the time, he was a, he's probably, you know, he's he's about six, legit, and he's about 300 pounds, um, for, former basketball player, and he had ridden up there with me, and uh, uh, he was a huge, an 84 uh, 85 that time period he was huge way back when that was one of the first guys he was always a like me lawler and dundee in that territory but when that usa network had uh the tnt and slaughter was starting to do the uh remember he was doing a thing for save the uh uh 
the Liberty Lady Liberty out there. Oh, um, that's right. I'd forgotten about. He that. raised a bunch of money yeah. for that for the Statue of Liberty. But my friend, he he became a huge you know mark for Sergeant Slaughter. Well, when I introduced myself to Slaughter in the back, and he looked at my friend, he goes, because he was about as big as Slaughter, honestly. He goes, "How you doing, big man?" And man, this guy's a grown man. You know, probably thirty years old at the time. And my friend got the biggest pop out of that, oh, yeah. you know, that uh, Sergeant Slaughter shook his hand and put him over and said, how you doing, big man? But he looked like he could have worked, you know, so I'm sure Slaughter was like, oh, he's, he's one of the boys, you know. <laughs> but uh, but it was just, it, yeah, for what it's worth. Um, but I don't know him. Did he do any, you know, business with him or anything? But, but uh, yeah, really nice, very professional. And I, I think I'll take this time too, Jeremy. Uh, I think what I think all the uh, – Armed forces out there on this 4th of July. Thank you very much. You know, don't want to leave anyone out, but Army, Navy, Marines, um, Coast Guard, Air Force. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for what you do for this country, providing our safety and putting your lives on the line every day. I know my son, Moda's son, he served uh, four years in the Marines, stayed out about three years, or three months rather, and then went and joined the Army for three more years. And he's just been recently out, maybe out in the middle of March or something when he got out. So, you know, thank you for your uh, patriotism and service to this country. Uh, and also, if you're out there tonight uh, letting off fireworks, wherever you may be, be careful and enjoy the show and let the professionals do it, man. Uh, thank Jeremy threw off the show last week by like saying, you know, don't blow your hand off, man. I thought, oh yeah, mentioning fireworks. So uh, go enjoy some professional fireworks if you have a chance, folks. But uh, so we had the Patriot, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and Sergeant Slaughter as um, patriotic American gimmicks. Who do we go to next? Uh, well, I'm going to go with a real American. We're going to go to Hulk Hogan uh, here. And um, yeah. You know, just you can't beat that song, <laughs> you know. I know, man. <laughs> um, he, he, he had that Reagan era, you know, mixing of nationalism and saying your prayers and it just, you know. for Taking time, your vitamins. Yeah, and- <laughs> for his time period, you don't get a bigger American superhero in wrestling than Hulk Hogan. Except maybe one, but we'll get around to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Bobby, I'm sure you've heard of Hulk Hogan before. A uh, time or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, changed the face of wrestling for modern wrestling, probably, you know, really. Uh, brought it back, to, even though I don't think it was dead in the regional area, era by, by any means, but he, he took it to a whole nother platform. Uh, him and Vince did, you know, with that, uh, mainstream. It got it back to being mainstream, uh, yeah. where on our national tele, televised programs were, you know, um, and I go, God, we know we miss our regional wrestling like crazy. But, um, you know, since the DuPont air and when it was on, you know, they aired wrestling um, on TV and you saw whatever product they put on there. That's what people, you know, this was wrestling. Well, when, you know, Vince and them started taking over or getting up off the TV station, however you want to put it, I mean, he just threw it right back in the face that they weren't just in PWI anymore. You know, they were in, you know, People Magazine and The Inquirer and, and every other, you know, uh, magazine out there coming and going, um, pre-internet, of course, and then um, every time you flipped your channel, they were, you know, promoting some pay-per-view up and coming, uh, access your local cable, you know, cable company and, and what have you. So, um, yeah. And him, he was always, uh, people knew they was going to make money and with their, whatever heel he was going to battle, whether it be, you know, uh, Piper, 
and as Piper said, if there wasn't, there wouldn't be Hulk Hogan without a Rowdy Roddy Piper. You know, uh, yeah, you need that heel out there. Um, Orton Jr. and Mr. T, you know, all them guys. Mr. T coming fresh off of TV show. Hogan being off, coming off that movie, uh, Rocky Three, as Thunder Lips. All that stuff, just that, just that whole, then the rock and wreck uh, wrestling connection. Um, then no matter who's going to battle after that, or it'll be Bundy or uh, Savage or whoever else is coming down the line, man. You know, he, he's the real American, like you said, man. And uh, had that little thing, you know, doing a, you know, Catholic cross gimmick there and say your prayers, eat your vitamins and well, yeah, and you know, take I just, your injections. I don't know. Well, I, I had to compare it to Reaganism in there because you know when when the culturally conservative Christian movement combined with the Republican Party during the outbreak of AIDS and the, I mean, just all these things were happening. Yeah, that made, that made all the little pieces of Hulk Hogan work even more. Because I mean, the dude was over just because he was charismatic. Yeah, but then yeah. you start tying in all the the nationalism and patriotism and the saying your prayers, and it was just like yeah, it was the right gimmick during the right moment, just perfectly. Oh yeah, well you had Nancy Reagan out there saying just say no, and you had um, you know you had your Pat Robertsons and your Jerry Falwells and your you know PTL clubs, you know Jim and Tammy, and you know you had all these yeah. different things during that time, man. Um, that it was just the just the right time. Like you said, you put it all together there. Um, yeah. Uh, real American, the all American, what do you want to say? Um, Hogan pretty much, you know, right there. Um, what do you put? American exceptionalism. Yeah. Is that what you American put in there? exceptionalism. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Very well. Well, I know you got one more on this list. Um, I know people that would argue this fact, and they mm-hmm. say, "Well, he's been in movies, he's been on TV shows, he's Hulk Hogan, you know, um, he's been on this or that." And I know a couple people say, "Yeah, but this is who I grew up watching." <laughs> I won't let you give it away because I know he's one of your favorite. But, but he's got his own billboard down in Florida, um, uh, you know, and uh, he's been in magazines too. Um, he's on another channel. <laughs> Second most recognizable athlete in the world. Oh, who That's, you talking about, baby? Well, it's all in the name, isn't it? It's the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. That's it, man. <clears throat> and I could tell you about hard times. Mm-hmm. Hard times, baby. Well, yeah. See, for me, Dusty Rhodes is is blue collar America. He yeah. is he he is my grandfather and the union worker and the steel worker and you know, he is the American the real American. You know, that's yeah. that's, that's for me. And uh, man, you know, I got to put him in there. I mean, American Dreams, the guy's name. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even when they did his shitty polka dot angle, they gave him a uh, the American Dream as a theme song in WWF. Yeah. You know, uh, for me, Bobby, I got to say the number one patriotic character. And here's the thing. He, yeah, he, he feuded with foreign heels, but he really did it by being the working man feuding with the rich man. Yeah. Yeah, he and he got it over at polka dot thing. He got it over, oh, uh, but it, but yeah, it was him. And you know, they had him on there delivering pizzas and and being the all American man or whatever. You, uh, you know, wasn't that dusty? And they cut to the, you know, what aren't you? And they cut away on those little segments. 
But we can't forget the, the promos he did, like the Hard Times, or like he did um, on TBS, you know, every Saturday night at 605, what have you. And he'd be out there saying, or the mothership, as he would say. Uh, but he would say, you know, hey, all those auto workers that are out of work right now, and we're getting them back. And he'd start talking about America, you know, and uh, uh uh, I'm just a poor son of a son of a plumber from Austin, Texas. You know, um, he would draw them people in, man. Oh, yeah. uh, even on a couple of those promos from TBS Studios, uh, someone's yelling something. We could look these up all day, private. But he just looked over, you know, and there's um, someone had yelled something like, "We love you, Dusty." You know, and he just he's he was cutting his promo, and he's turned. He said, "And Dusty loves you too, baby." And he cut right back to his promo, you know, oh, and. Yeah. Um, well, he he could, would just uh, he could connect. He could connect to the fans, man. Oh, that's it. Um, you know, he was he was probably one of the greatest talkers of all time. I know he gets a lot of shit for his like color or his play by play stuff. I love yeah. it. I love to just listen to him fucking just ramp up this weird shit that he would talk about. You know, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, for me, like Dusty was. I mean, probably probably one of the greatest things ever in pro wrestling. Um, you know, just. And, you know, the American dream, I mean, I still wear the T-shirt to this day. <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, man, I tell you, Big Dusty, that's uh, one of the greatest interviews of all time in the business. Um, what, I mean, and he fought, uh, and I know, you know, we go back and we do our history, a big, you know, babyface turn in Florida or what have you, uh, about mid-70s. But the thing is, when Dusty, when it, whoever Dusty fought, I mean, he fought like guys like Mil Mascaris. Hell, he teamed up uh, with Andre. Uh, he did those fights with uh, superstar Billy Graham, you know, Madison Square Garden. I mean, he was, he, was, he was doing business worldwide. You know, he was one of them guys like Andre. Uh, there was a handful of those guys that, that um, before, you know, okay, you're under a contract with WWE or under a contract with WCW. Dusty is one of those guys, independent contractor, if you will, baby. He would be yeah. in San Francisco one night, in San Antonio another night, Denver another night, and in Charlotte the next night, you know, and in Tampa. He would be one of them people, and then back to New York the next day working for, you know, Vince Sr. or something. He, he, he was an everywhere man, um, and, uh, you know, and plus he had, you know, World title, NWA world title. He took that um, on the road, of course. That's that's not an easy gig to have, you know, uh, night after night like that. If you're targeting on your back and you're out there going 45, 60 minutes town to town, you know, um, the Dusty was just – Dusty was just over because Dusty was Dusty. Yeah. People could relate – He's talking to me. He's talking about my family, my granddaddy at the coal mine or uh, my daddy at the uh, um, plumber's union or the auto workers of America. You, you know what I'm saying? He, he related to those people, man, oh, yeah. uh, everyone. So, yeah, good choice on the American dream. Yep. Well, you know, and like so. you're saying, you know, he was the U.S. champion here when it because we think of him with Florida and with Jim Crockett, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, he was he was champion here in San Francisco when it folded and he was still, you know, working in Florida and New York and he was an attraction and I think that gets yes. forgotten about him now, you know. Yeah. 
key word right there, I think that's it. He was an attraction like Andre. Yeah. Like we even talked about that tournament. We went back to 19, I think at 78 year. Uh, him and him and Andre were in the tournament together, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, he, he was an attraction, man. Could go anywhere like that. Yeah. Um, and um, what would you say? Second most recognizable athlete of all time? That, that's, that's what he always said. And I got no reason to question Dusty. There you go, man. Oh, man. Well, before we shift gears, let's sell a few books. How's that? Fantastic idea. So, if you're out there listening, thank you very much. We appreciate it. If you'd like to help this program out, I have a couple books that I put out. Jeremy's got it set up that the show gets a little bit of kick out if you use one of our tiny URLs. Now, you can go to Amazon and get Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost for Travel, or you can get... Uh, you get them both, actually. Um, you can get, uh, I kicked out on two, the educational wrestler. Again, available on Amazon, some short stories on there as well. Go check it out, the Bobby Blaze Medley Amazon page. But if you'd like to help this program out, and we appreciate it very much, if you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, that will take you to my first book, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boostful Travel. The second title I kicked out on two, the educational wrestler. All you have to do is type in tinyurl.com slash blaze book two, and it'll take you directly to that link for either one of those books. And I appreciate it very much. I also appreciate reviews, just like we got that kind review from Robert at the top of the hour. Um, if you leave me a book review, I appreciate it very much. And um, I do look forward to reading those reviews. I do not interact with them. Uh, you as a reader, myself as a reader, that is my opinion. And, you know, I give a book report. Um, you know, I, I let people know. I just gave uh, um, the book of Teeny we read. I, I, I did a five-star review on Amazon for them. And also I'm going to be doing uh, Johnny Candido's book. I just haven't uh, sent my uh, review of it on there. But I give a fair and honest review. That's all I ask of my fans. Just be fair and honest whether you're reviewing a book or this program. And I appreciate it uh, very much. Again, it's tinyrl.com slash blazebook1 or tinyrl.com slash blazebook2. Take you right to those book links. Uh, anything else we need to plug in there, Professor? Uh, you know what? I, I was going to prepare a few things for this week. But you know what? It's it's the 4th of July, and I don't want to be crass. So, no. Okay. Let's just, let's just keep moving. All right. So, we got five evil foreign patriotic gimmicks. Um, Man. You want to start us off? Oh, I'll start us off. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Russian bear, Uncle Ivan Koloff. Ah, what a great choice, man. What a great choice. Um, You know, as far back as I can remember, the Russian bear, he always had those big thighs, you know, and that big, bulky body of his that was so solid. Uh, No fat, but it was just not like a bodybuilder, but it was just solid everywhere. But the one, other than his bald head, the thing that really made me believe in him, of course, was his vicious working style, that he was anti-American, he was evil Russian. He had that tattoo on his arm with a sickle cutting the head off an American bald eagle, the semblance of America. That is living your gimmick, man. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't a, you know, uh, uh, that was a real tattoo. It wasn't a stick on, you yeah, know. It wasn't cockamamie so, uh, or anything, yeah. No. And uh, uh, the accent, the looking into the camera, the viciousness when he looked into the camera, uh, carrying a heavy chain around his neck, if that's what he was doing at that particular time, 
or whoever he was battling, uh, having to get that chain out or uh, just beating someone up like Dusty or whoever he's doing business with at that time. Uh, very, very believable. Uh, he lived the gimmick. And I think the the only thing that, that I don't, I don't know how to say this the proper way that pisses me off because it's not about him personally. It's why in the world, I mean, he beat Bruno Sarmentino. <laughs> why in the world is he not in a WWF, WWF, WWE Hall of Fame? Now, I know to some people it's not that important. Uh, you know what? To me, it is be- only because I think that's good for the boys' morale. And remember these guys, and I don't know who he's pissed off or what he's done, but why he's not at Hall of Fame, I don't know, man. But he deserves to be at every wrestling Hall of Fame there is as an evil anti-American heel. Uh, he was great as a heel. Now, yeah. I, I, I'm going to spread it out a little bit, but those those Koloffs were some guys who lived their fucking gimmicks. I think Nikita yep. Koloff only broke his accent in the last five years. Um. Ivan was just meaner and shit. Even as an older man, he still looked like the kind of guy to rip off your head and shit in your neck, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just he was just vicious and nasty. And yeah, you're right. I mean, so he was a transitional champion, but they still decided he was badass enough to take the title off of Bruno, who was, you know, a demigod in New York at the time. Yeah. There was a riot the night that, you know, Ivan Koloff uh, won the title. Um. Yeah, I just, yeah, he probably doesn't get remembered the way he should. And looking at his Wikipedia page, well, it was gathering some info on him today. There's not nearly enough on there about him either. Hmm. Well, I can believe that. Yeah. But I tell you, um, I think it, that's a great one to start us off with for foreign patriotic gimmicks, man. Hey, evil, evil, evil people. Yeah. Like the he could draw the, the heat, evil. man. <laughs> uh, so enough good things can't be say, said about the evilness or the badness of Ivan Koloff, the no. Russian bear. You know, uh, this next gentleman, I wouldn't call him a gentleman. I'd call him a wild animal, but he's worse. He's a beast. <laughs> he's an iron sheik. Yeah. <laughs> man, I tell America, you know, he come out there, man, you know, that to me, that to me, the iron sheik, because of the time period and because of the exposure he got, he may be the most over for me as far as someone that truly hated America, or at least his gimmick did. I'm sure he loved cashing all his checks and vents, you know, through the oh, years yeah. and everywhere else he worked at. Plus, I know he was a, leg- a legitimate shooter and had been in, you know, the Pan Am games and, and uh, AAU games and things like that. And I know he went back. guard for the Shaw when he was younger. Yes. Too. Yes, and um, uh, treated like royalty at his home, from what I understand. Um, but man, he—you know—the horn, the boots, the um, the mustache, him—you know—hitting that, you know, rubbing his mustache out, you know, and doing the uh, uh, Indian clubs over his head, you know, take the sheik, you cannot do this gimmick, you know, and he'd take him Indian clubs and and. Um, uh, had at one time chiseled physique, and of course, as he got a little bit older, he still remained so hard. His stomach was just a big barrel, uh, you know, of a stomach, but it was hard as a rock. Uh, but he had that arms and neck, and um, then he, of course, put you in that um, 
the Russian, well, uh, basically clutch. the camel clutch, you know, but uh, man, he'd put you in that and he'd just sit up on you, man, it just looked good, you know, he just looked there and he had that smile, that smirky looking smile, like he took pleasure and provided you with that pain, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Iron Sheik, man, Octui America, <laughs> you know. So. Um, so younger people will probably not remember the Iranian hostage crisis. Right. Um, I remember I was six years old when it happened and I had a dream that Santa Claus was secretly the Ayatollah in disguise. Uh, oh shit. Oh yeah. I had some <laughs> fucking dreams when I was a kid. Um, but he was, he was kind of your generic, your generic Arab, Arab character up until the uh, hostage crisis in Iran. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and people who know Iranians are not Arab. They're Persian, two totally different types of people, two totally different. I languages. come from Otis country, a Persia. Exactly. <laughs> so he, he re-geared his character to take all that fucking heat, all that fucking hatred and become the pro-Iranian fucking bad guy. Um, him, like Ivan, took the title off of probably the biggest red meat baby face in the world at that moment, or at least in the Northeast. Yeah. And he defeated Bob Backlund and won the yep. title. Yeah. And, you know, he had Freddie Blassie, who's an instant heat magnet. Uh, you know, he just perfectly yeah. suited for his time. Great guy. I, I know that his Twitter account's not really him, but it's funnier than hell. It's it's worth oh, yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, Jabroni. You fucking jabroni, you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I've met the Sheik several times yep. and um, I've been around him. Yeah. And uh, uh, recall a couple of stories. Uh, one was in uh, Bobby Fulton had uh, booked him up in Columbus, Ohio. We were up there, Chillicothe, Circleville, somewhere on, you know, two or three day run. And uh, Sheik was there and he had the gimmick. He had the gimmicks with them with the, uh, the, um, Indian clubs, he just had some gimmick ones there, but he took the, the real ones, of course, out to the ring. And, uh, uh, so we're in there talking and he, he just, uh, everyone's minding their own business, but it's like five or six people. Bobby ran the smaller shows with the small crew, rather. And, um, he was talking about, uh, the clubs. And then he was also talking about a shield, how, uh, in, in Persia, you know, the, the, uh, soldiers would train with a door. It looked like a door, but it wasn't. It was a, a flat piece of metal that had a handle on it, like a shield, but square. And you could, if you could get up and down with that as well. Anyway, he was talking about it. And so he said, nobody, and he's just talking friendly, but he, you know, he's doing his accent. Of course, he said, uh, can do, uh, do these clubs. Nobody. And I, I said, Mr. I'm sitting there. You, you have to read the audience, you know, read the audience when you yeah, speak yeah. to someone, you know. So again, it's just myself and a couple other guys like Doug. Vines and and maybe the Batten twins and and a young boy and a sheik you know we're all sitting there bullshitting and uh, I said uh, no disrespect sheiky I said I know someone that can do those clubs oh dear, who who Bobby who you think could and I said um, well I met this man in Florida you may have heard of him Carl Gotch oh god damn you god damn Bobby Carl Gotch you know Gotch and he started oh Gotch yes Gotch and he just starts spitting when he's talking to me like I'm, yes Carl Carl of course Carl of course you know and he just starts putting Carl over that Carl could do the fucking Indian clubs you know but he's more impressed I think that I knew who he was you know and um, so that brought a big laugh but the other time, I was down in Cordell, Georgia, 
And uh, we were doing an outdoor show. It was Peace State Wrestling. And that's what I still – I was with Smoky Mountain at the time and took a booking down there for a couple of days. Uh, a really nice trip down to Georgia. Uh, but anyway, they had a couple of independent guys and a couple of guys off WCW. Uh, actually, um, I was filling in for Paul Orndorff, as a matter of fact, who was coming off knee surgery at that time. And I wrestled Bob Bam Dam. Uh, uh, we had a really good match. But – Sheik was there, and uh, these kids, I'd say about 13, 15-year-old kids, come around around the area where the, the heel we're dressing at was like behind a bus, a school bus out in a field because an outdoor show. And they they said something like, uh, hey, Mr. Sheik, this wrestling's fake, like that, you know. Oh, boy. And, uh, oh, man. So I remember Steiner was on the show, and like I said, I don't remember all the heels that were there, but Steiner looked, and then I looked. I'm like waiting to see who's going to say what. Orn North was there, but Sheik, man, he turned around and said, I got damn you, oh, fake. Oh, is your mother, your father, they fake? Your school books, are they fake? Why don't you go to school, get education? This is real man sport, real man. And he just, he, he cut these kids, he cut a promo on these about three or four teenagers, man, and put them in their fucking place only as sheiky could, you know. Yeah. And um, I think they probably got up on Monday morning, went to fucking school and studied and got straight A's the rest of that semester. <laughs> Because <laughs> he scared the blue bejesus out of him, man, uh, using that F word, you know. So, um, anyway, just funny, sheiky story. Yeah, his Twitter account is funnier and shit, man, when you when you read some of those tweets on oh, there. Oh, yeah, so, it's just hilarious. Um, yeah. That's just a couple of stories I know about him, but uh, share them with you and have fun with them. Um, well, because he's never was, been in a ring with them or anything. Yeah, but he was that, uh, that, he was that old school fucking era where, you know, we were talking about like who legit guys were and yeah, Billy yeah. Robinson, Judo G, yeah. and Gotch. And, you know, Sheik there, he was, again, you know, he's the Shaw's bodyguard at one point. He was a legit, yeah. uh, a legit Olympian, I think, at one point. Or almost, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it was AAU and Pan American Games. I'm that not sure. Uh, the, yeah, I'm not sure. The Olympian thing might be a little bit of a work from what I understand. That that the actual goal, the medal he had was a uh, Pan American Games. And I want to tell you, you mentioned uh, Gene LaBelle. So this week, um, I've really cut down on watching uh, since Joe Rogan switched over to um, Spotify. I, I'm really tuned into just when uh, guest I really enjoy is going to be on air, and he had. David Lee Roth on there was, was excellent, but that's not where I'm going with this. Um, dude, he had Quentin Tarantino on there, right? And uh, he asked him about the Bruce Lee scene in, in, in Once Upon a Time in America. And so, uh, of course, um, they both knew the story, and they bring up Gene LaBelle. And they said Gene LaBelle was brought in on a set to calm, you know, he, he pretty much had to calm Bruce down oh, yeah. um, on several sets because he was, dis- as Quentin said, he was disrespecting the American stuntman and he was giving him taps, uh, like little kicks here and there, like kind of taking taking liberties, if you will, with the other stuntmen. And Gene LaBelle came in and uh, pretty much uh, shut Bruce Lee shit down. That's kind of what he was putting a reference in there uh, uh, to that to that character. And he said, you know, he can understand the daughter being upset as to how he portrayed Bruce Lee, but the rest of us, you got to realize it's a fucking movie. Enjoy it or suck a dick. That's okay. what he said. You know? so, but uh, the bell was mentioned again on Joe Rogan's podcast and got put over huge. <laughs> so the the way I had gotten that story, and um, 
I think actually I researched it going into our Gene LaBelle in the legit tough guys episode back a couple of years you, ago. You have brought it to my attention before refresh my memory. Yeah. So the way I remember it was that uh, Gene and Bruce Lee were working together. Gene had always been a grappler and Bruce Lee was a striker, you know, but Bruce mm-hmm. Lee was developing Jeet Kune Do, which was kind of throwing all the rules out the window and you, you need to develop a ground game and, you know, a, a grappling as well as everything else. So the idea was that Bruce Lee would teach some Kung Fu to Gene and Gene would teach some wrestling Mm -hmm. to uh, Bruce. And at some point, and I don't remember there was a story to it, but at some point they're doing something and Gene takes Bruce Lee to the ground and Bruce Lee had a, look, here's the thing. Bruce Lee had a famous fucking temper. He would lose his fucking temper on people Mm -hmm. and Gene gets him down knowing he's going to lose his temper and Bruce Lee, hey, let me out, let me up. He's, are you, you know, are you going to hit me when I let you up? Of course I'm going to hit you when you let me up. So, all right, then I'm yeah. not letting you up, you know. And he kept his ass grounded until finally Bruce Lee is like, all right, fuck it. I'm I, okay. Yep. Just let me up. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lose my temper. Yeah. So he just kept him on the ground until he chilled the fuck out is what happened. The, and I think. That's the story I heard. What is what? Okay. And I, I, I'm pretty sure you're right. And if I'm not mistaken, on the YouTube channel, on the top 10, we do legitimate tough guys on the Judo Gene LaBelle one. Tex, rest in peace, put together the clip from our show with us talking. But he's got the clip that you're talking about. If I'm not mistaken, Chuck Norris retells that story about Judo Gene LaBelle okay. taking Bruce Lee down and holding him down. So I'm pretty sure we were, we were, we were in that time warp uh uh, frame when we were doing that top 10, I'm most positive Chuck Norris tells the story there too. So in our research, it's out there on the internet um, in the top 10 uh, most legitimate tough guys. If you go Gene LaBelle and go to the Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze podcast, I'm pretty sure that's the one Tex put together and he's got a clip of Chuck Norris telling that story um, about Gene LaBelle. So yeah, I'd say there's more truth to it than not, but I just want to let you know that, that again, on pop culture and mainstream just last week or a couple of days ago that uh, Judo Gene LaBelle's name was mentioned again on a Joe Rogan experience. You know, that's pretty damn cool. So well, dude's keep, a, keeping dude's, them guys alive, you yeah, know. Dude's a legit badass. Everybody who's yeah. playing a wrestling needs yeah. to just know his name, if nothing else, you know. That's right. That's right. Okay, so uh, I guess we got one more here. Here's going to kind of be a jump from uh, the foreign um, Ivan Koloff and Sheik and those type gimmicks to uh, it's your turn to announce them, so I'm going to let you announce them because I know you have um, – you got some heat from up here in Canada for saying something about this Boy, man before. Yeah, I did. Uh, so who is it? I still have somebody else check my mailbox for me. <laughs> and, and here's the thing I found impressive about this was the guy did this in a way where he was a hero in one place, but a heel in another. And that's going to be the uh, uh, hitman Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, came in and did fuck America, but Canada's great. And you know what? I mean, Canada probably tired of being thought of as America's hat. Just loved it. Ate that shit up. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, he became a hero at home. Well, he was already a hero at home, but he, he maintained yeah. his hero at home while becoming a heel, which is really threading a fucking needle. Yeah. And you know, some of that stuff he said during the interview, um, <laughs> 
he was talking about Canada being a greater country in America, and he was talking about the health care, and he was talking about this and that and uh, how they took care of the elderly there. I mean, a lot of stuff he was saying was a straight shoot. Yeah. The Americans just the American fans just really didn't want to hear it, man. That's it. Uh, but he was speaking the truth, you know, on, on most of the stuff he was up there talking about. But, yeah, that is hard. What do you say? Threading the needle there. That's, that's hard to pull off, man, that, you know, uh, I'm a heel. But um, up here, I'm so fucking over it, it doesn't matter, you know. And, um, yeah, uh, Bret Hart, he also one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of, of, of psychology, of putting matches together. Um, he just, um, uh, good look to him, good, you know, good body, good speaking skills, and also, you know, tremendous wrestling skills. And came from that, you know, long line of, you know, the harps and, um, could work as singles and tag. And, um, you know, uh, about the only thing I don't like about Bret Hart, and this is fair and honest, this is my assessment. It's nothing personal is in his book. It, it just kind of, uh, it just kind of like putting blame on some other people. And I'm not quite sure what his goal was with that, but, um, uh, that's his business, you know, um, that, that apparently (laughs) stuff had went on that, you know, he didn't feel comfortable about putting in there, but there were some hidden or behind the scenes things that were going on. But man, I'm a, I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. And, um, again, I, I love this look. Yeah, uh, his, his speaking ability was great because he could talk down to the crowd or, you know, he could talk to them. And also the work rate. Uh, you just don't find many guys that could work. You know, he's on a different level, I guess I should say, of oh, yeah. etion of guys that could work like that um, and do different styles and be over. Because he had the Japanese influence, too, from going to, you know, from the, and the English uh, English and Japanese um, styles that he could work. And also, um, I'm sure he could do the luchador style as well, where he was in Calgary. They had all these great workers come through there from Mexico and Japan and England. So he knew a lot of different styles. Uh, what you saw on, you know, WWE TV or whatever was just a small amount of the stuff that Bret Hart could do. Oh yeah. Um, he, he, he was tremendous, man. Tremendous. So his, his dad's belief was if you knew how to actually fucking hurt a guy, you would be a better pro wrestler because you could make everything look more legitimate. You would understand mm. how joints would move. You would understand, you know, just the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, well, actually, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Lee from Dave Knows Wrestling coined the phrase Canadian strong style for that Bret Hart, uh, Stu Hart style of wrestling. And okay. I thought that was a great, a great term for it, you know. Um, <clears throat> but Bret Hart, yeah, I mean, just, just, Probably one of the best in-ring performers. And, Bobby, I get what you're saying because I've said it before. He's just a lot of sour grapes is what it feels like. Now, we don't yeah. know how he feels, so we can't really, you know, we just go off of what we're hearing. Um, right, right. But legitimately, one of the best in-ring guys ever. I I despise, I won't use the term work rate because I feel as a fan, that's not my position to say that term. That's an you know, guys who really understand the business like you should use it, so I'm going to avoid it. Um, but just one of the best in the world. He made everything look like it fucking hurt. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, just legit. Yeah, he used some of the best of the English wrestling style, his dad's wrestling style, the foreign international style. 
But yeah. his ability to be, um, you know, a hero above the parallel and a villain below it is just amazing to me. Yeah, that's that's it, man. That's it. Uh, hopefully, we've got a lot of Bret Hart fans out there, man. Um, because I know he's getting out doing some stuff still, so that's that's cool too. Yeah. So uh, I think we only have one more to go over here. Is that correct, Professor? As far as I know, we got one left. Okay. Um, I'm going to announce them, but I'm going to let you tell me a little bit about him because you probably know a whole lot more about this man than I do. And I think this man's name came up. Uh, shout out to Adam and Sean uh, when they were on a program talking about uh, Mid-South uh, and just – all the wrestling that we could get in that day. It was a great conversation. Glad to have him guys on the show at that time. But Skandar Akbar, uh, manager, um, I just remember seeing on the tail end of the uh, WCCW run. Yeah, that's what I definitely and, um, from. Okay. Just um, anti-American. Uh, was he a rich? Was he a rich Arab? Is that what the whole deal was? He was going to uh, – Buy a bunch of stuff here uh, in the United States. I'm trying to think of what, what the whole, the whole what started the whole sheep gimmick. You know, the Skandar um, Akbar. Yeah. So is it, Arab? Arab, yeah, I guess. I think he was supposed to be like a rich oil man or something. Yes. You know, and um, <laughs> um, always played a heel. Uh, you know, had the Akbar Army. Uh, you know, he worked for Bill Watts. He worked in WCCW. Mm-hmm. Now, what I always found interesting about him, and, and I don't know a lot about Arabic, but there were a couple words I do know, and I know that Skandar is the Arabic version of Alexander, because okay. Alexander the Great is a character I like to learn about. I was sure fascinating, and I know one sentence in Arabic, and it's Allah Akbar, which means God is great. So when you <laughs> take the name Skandar Akbar, the name you get is Alexander the Great. Yeah, I got you. Nice. I knew every, once you said it, I, I figured it out really quick. Nice, man. That's really good. Yeah. Good stuff. I love learning stuff like that. Yeah. So he took Yeah, and I think of, he had something to do with booking down there, too, didn't he, on the company he worked for? I think he had a pretty good mind for the business, from my understanding. I think Sean and Adam brought that up, that he helped Gary Hart something to booking, maybe. I, I think I remember uh, hearing that. Yeah. Look, this is a guy I don't, I don't know all that much about, because I miss his wrestling career. I knew him as a villain, yeah. heel, a heel manager. Right, right, myself as well. Yeah, and, you know, I remember he was, you know, one-man gang, you know, just like everybody that you fucking wanted to boo, he had his hands on. <laughs> and, you know, he, he did he did some of my favorite just, like, little jab shit, you know, calling Ted DiBiase, Ted Debussy. <laughs> you know, and, and an Arabic <laughs> accent that sounded a whole lot like a Central Texas accent, you know. <laughs> uh, just, you know, just some great stuff that he did. And yeah. It was a lot of fun. And he'd just get up and he'd shit talk Americans and he'd shit talk the crowd <laughs> and shit talk the wrestlers. <laughs> um, what I did discover, just doing some quick, quick research, he briefly managed Kevin Von Erich. Okay. Like, like for an hour and a half or something, right before Kevin decided to, to retire forever. Uh, it was in GWF when GWF was, I think, working out of the Sportatorium on Thursdays or Fridays. Okay. Uh, he briefly managed Kevin Von Erich. And he, you know, I know you're not going to believe this, Bobby, but he turned on him. <laughs> could you? Could a blind man see it coming? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did Kevin not know? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I should have known that was going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, anyway, let's wrap things up here, Professor, man. If you're 4th of July, you've probably, by the time you hear this on Tuesday, I hope you've had a happy 4th of July. Hopefully you ate a hot dog, uh, drank some cold beer, had a uh, piece of American pie. Whatever it is you do, wherever you're at in the world, you know, um, I just hope you had a good day. And, uh, you know, here, just say, uh, you know, happy birthday, America. We just, again, shout out to all the troops out there, uh, service members, men and women uh, serving our country. I appreciate that. I appreciate the professor putting this show together today. Uh, I'm just going to say, throw this out at you, professor. It's up to you. I think for the next two weeks, we do have guests coming back on. Um, you mentioned the person in there. Do we want to go ahead and announce the next two guests or leave them, leave it up to the well, fans to figure out? Ahead, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll go ahead and announce them. Okay. Please do. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. Got it. You're, you're good. Cough thing going on here. Um, next week. And I guess I should probably check with him, make sure we're still on yep. Dave Lee from Dave knows wrestling and Dave knows video games will be on. Um, yeah, Dave is an interesting essayist and uh, historian in pro wrestling. Like, even though I, I consider myself a bit of a nerd who who knows a little bit too much about pro wrestling as a fan, I'll watch Dave's show and go, "Well, shit, I didn't know that." Yeah, so, he's got a really popular YouTube channel. Yeah, it's and it's a good channel. It's very informative, a lot of fun to watch. He does a lot of entertaining stuff with it as he digs this information up. So I'm really looking forward to that. But Bobby, the week after Dave's on, who do we got? Yeah, we've got um, Dalla, the Black Dalla. I call her Paige because that's what I know her as. But um, she's going to be on talking about um, she's into professional wrestling. Um, her fiance is a professional wrestler. They've got um, they've got a new gimmick. They're the Chainsaw King and Queen. Um, happen have known this young girl for several years now, and she's also got a very very popular OnlyFans page. And uh, she's going to uh, come on and uh, just be herself and have a good time. And hopefully, uh, like I told her, man, hey, you're going to be our first female guest. I want you to come on and tear the house down. So let's see what happens when the chainsaw screen queen comes on in a couple of weeks. So yeah, we'll that'll see. Be, that'll be fun. It'll, you know, give us should be fun. Yeah. Open up yeah. the show. Yeah. Yeah. So. I remember I was actually going to interview her, uh, her boyfriend, Nate. Uh, at yeah. one point for Geekish Cast back four years ago. So when you first told me about her, I didn't even know they were uh, had anything to do with each other. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. They've been together a while now. Um, they're always pretty good to me. I met them at Indie Show, and um, just one of those things, they've uh, got them in a ring a couple of times, and then they took off. They went to... Uh, uh, I let her kind of tell her the story, but they went to San Antonio and studied under uh, um, uh, shit Funaki down there. Then they went out to uh, the Knox School out there in California. Uh, they studied enough for Rikishi School oh. a little bit, and uh, they're not taking bookings right now. She's had a, an injury, um, and I let her tell her story. But um, yeah, interesting couple, and like I said, um, they they got this crazy chainsaw gimmick going now. So who the fuck knows what's going to happen when they start getting back out on the road with her gimmick? Well, but I'm um, looking forward to both guests coming on. You know, yeah, no, and that's one of the things that like that's what caught my eye about Nate was that he was doing a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. Yes, and that's like, the gimmick right, now. All right, this is right up my alley. It's pro wrestling. It's horror movie. 
got to talk to this guy, but that fell through. So this will be interesting. I'm, yeah, and we we talked to him. Maybe we'll get Nate on the show too. I, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just yeah. have to wait and see. And so. everybody listening, what do you, how do you feel about us having guests on recently? I'm enjoying it, so I want to hear how you guys feel about it. Yeah, and we haven't done a top ten for a while, and I'll tell you what, I really don't miss it. Um, there's times I think about it. That was our format that we hit a stride in, but now we're just kind of, um, you know what, we're hitting a stride in just being a, I think, a quality pro wrestling podcast that's not afraid to talk about just about anything, and also having the guests just enhances it because we get different different perspectives than what the professor and I, you know, spew out at you every week. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'll use the word, uh, hopefully we entertain you, man. Um, why else the fuck would you tune in if we're not at least getting you a giggle here or there, making a jab here or there, or encouraging you in some way, you know, to have a good day or a happy 4th of July, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, so yeah, let us know how you've been feeling about that. Let us know who you'd like to see. Cause, uh, back on Geekish Cast, I used to land surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly famous guests. So I'd, I'd like to see if we could do that maybe in wrestling too. If there's somebody you'd like me to try, let me know. I don't know. If good, I don't know professor. if I'll ever beat Ron Fuller, but you know. Yeah, hey, I'd be tough. Be tough to beat him, man. He was yeah. great to have on. He was great to have on. Yeah, it no, really he was. Legitimately, just a great guest. And and you mentioned that name. You got to have a shot. Oh, so we get off here. Folks. We better start. <laughs> better have one. Yeah. So uh, I think I'll just uh, have some cold beer here in a little while. That's what I'm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna do a hot dog or not. I done a couple hot dogs the other day, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, but, uh, um, I, I got to do a store run. I don't know if I'm doing hot dogs, though. That's me. That's me. All right, man. Anything else we need to close out with? Do we leave anything off the podcast today? Let me think. Tune in Tuesday morning. We've been dropping regular every Tuesday, um, and I'll get you a blurb out, as I always say, off the air. So um, that's that's my parting words, man, other than have a great day, and um, see you back here next week, yeah. wrestling fans. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, everybody. You know, hope you had a great 4th of July. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back in a week. Uh, for the Latex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. You know, Bobby, I was going to do an evil Soviet professor this week, Okay, but but I figured I'd leave that to to the greater people than me to handle, and you know, obviously your uh, your instructor there. Um, Uh. And Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. Bye bye, everybody.